Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. My name is Sasha Andrianova, and this is the Unfiltered Sash Podcast. This is a space for you to feel empowered and inspired to connect with your most authentic embodied self. I offer framework and lenses of analyses for you to dive into, try on, and see which one works for you. There is no one size fits all. So this is your home to exploring and giving yourself permission to find what helps you serve your highest involvement. Break the chains from what you identify with. Break the chains from what you're attached to, from what causes you suffering, so you can be here and now. And I know that sounds really woo-woo and out there, but as I'm going through this unraveling process, it has been the most transformative and raw, vulnerable, and honest that I've had to be with myself in, you know, ever in my life. Today, I wanted to just come on here and share my thoughts. What's going on with me? Brief check-in. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I've been doing a lot of unraveling of identities and attachments that have kept me small. And I feel like in the last year of my life, I have undone so many layers of resistance. It's been incredibly transformative, and now I'm getting to those deeper layers, the more difficult pieces and the parts that sit deep within my soul, within my psyche, that once you unblock them, or once I unblock them, I feel the greatest freedom, the greatest sense of relief, but it takes time and patience. And what I'd like to frame this conversation on today is the ego and how holding on to identities and attachments fuels the ego and what happens when you let them go. So when I'm talking about identities and attachments, I mean, these are the parts of yourself that you identify with. It can be really anything. We can identify with our possessions, the work that we do, social status and recognition, our knowledge and our education, physical appearance, abilities, relationships, your personal and family history, belief systems, political, nationalistic, racial, religious, other collective identities. All of these things help us position ourselves in the world. They are important in the life that we live in because they help us feel like we belong to a group of people, to a community. And while there is value in that sense of belonging, our identification with or attachment to these identities causes us suffering because we do not realize that there is a layer underneath. By this layer, I mean there is your true self. There is your soul, your consciousness that lies beneath all of these identities. There is a layer underneath. There is a side of you that persists no matter what label that you identify with. And your attachment to that label in the face of change is what creates harm or pain to you because you are identifying with that attachment, with that label, rather than what is underneath. Some of the labels and attachments that I have personally been been dealing with right now are my attachment to the gym. And I broke that one by saying, I do not have to go to the gym to feel good enough. Now that's obviously after a lot of internal work. Another attachment that I've broken is in the context of my relationship. I realize that I do not have to 
be in a relationship, in the container of a relationship, or in the label of a relationship with my partner for my love for him to exist. And I've also broken an attachment knowing that I do not have to be close to certain members of the team in order to be a valuable and important member of the team. All of these things, my identity of being a fitness girl, a gym girl, my attachment to relationship, my attachment to status at work, these are deeper layers of validation and identification that I have come to own and come to claim and come to live by. And as I get deeper into this work, I'm starting to shed those layers. So how am I doing this, right? If you have these mental beliefs, conscious or unconscious, mental attachments, mental identities, in which you are trying to claim to something that's external to you, you're wondering, okay, how do I find out what is my ego and what is me? I listened to a podcast the other day, Andre de Kuhn's Know Thyself. The episode was about the law of one and how to end suffering. And the episode, I'll link it in the show notes below, but I highly recommend, it discussed the three beliefs of the ego. The ego, according to Eckhart Tolle, is the part of your mind that tries to control your thinking and behavior. The way I like to think of it is it's the side of you that holds on to those identities, those attachments. The ego tries to keep you safe. It tries to keep you safe in the way that it knows how, which is belonging and identification with the world around you. It keeps you in community. It keeps you fitting the norm. And it keeps you looping in belief systems that keep you tied down to the norms of social safety that we have created. So in the three beliefs of the ego, the first belief is the belief of lack. The ego likes to frame things in a way that we are lacking something or that we are losing something. For example, I can say that if I lose a relationship, if I am no longer in partnership, if I lose a friendship, my ego will be hurt from what it perceives as a loss of love or a loss of safety. My ego gets upset at the fact that there is no longer the container of a relationship because it believes that I've lost love. Now, why this is a belief of the ego and not truth is that I can never lose love. Love is within me. My heart, your heart, all of us, we have unlimited love that we can then share and give with the world around us. And just because a relationship does not exist, the container, the label does not exist, does not mean my love for this person does not exist, does not mean our love for each other does not exist. Just because the container of the relationship no longer serves does not mean that the love is not there. It has just been transmuted. It is being expressed in a different way. And while that is so painful, it is also a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to know that even if a relationship is no longer there, the love between two people will always be there. Again, the ego can say, oh, I've lost love. I've lost safety. But what is true is that you've lost the label of a relationship. Love is within you. It can never be taken away. And if you believe that you have lost love, 
or that another person can give that to you, that is where you have been led astray by the ego and towards identifying with your pain. So in terms of lack, the ego likes to create a illusion of lack or of loss. It likes to say that there is something outside of yourself that you then need to gain. In this relationship example, I need to go out and get love or get safety from someone else. It creates an illusion that something that you want is external to you. That is the first belief. Now, the second belief is that this thing is external to you. Again, that it is outside of yourself and that now you need to go out and get it. That is an illusion in that these things are all within you. And if you think about the illusion of this being external to you, now you've put yourself in a position to go have to do something about it. What this challenges is your belief in the universe and your belief in what is. What is is sacred. All we have is the present moment. The ego likes to identify with the past or with the future. It likes to plan what it's going towards. It likes to look back on the past and analyze every situation or look towards the future and figure out where we're going and what we need to do and how to keep ourselves safe. In trying to go out and get something external to you, you're almost telling the universe that I don't trust you. Whatever divine universal alignment that you believe in, you're saying that you as one individual need to go outside of the power of this universe to make what you want happen, to get what is external to you. Like the universe isn't giving me love, so I need to go out and get it. This is all backwards because the love is already within you. You don't need to go out and get it. You need to find it, realize its potency, its power from within. And then the universe will reflect it back to you. You don't need to go outside of yourself to get anything. It's already there. And so the ego starts to create these stories, right? It tells you that you're lacking something, which then implies that there is something external to you and you need to prove yourself or go and get it somehow. And then that challenges your trust in divine alignment in the universe already equipping you with what you need, your energetic signature, to be a walking, breathing consciousness on this earth. So what's going on with me? This past week was a crazy one. I was in a bit of a funk, was kind of down, really wasn't sure what was going on. And then one of my friends she is an incredible human being, part of my soul family, and I am truly tremendously grateful that we met. She gave me a celestial journal. For those of you that are like, what is a celestial journal? Because that was me. I'm raising my hand. It is a journal that goes into every single planetary alignment, every sun, moon, transit, retrograde, orbit, all the things, day by day in a calendar year. And it offers you the opportunity to set weekly intentions, reflections, full moon, new moon practices. Like it is the most beautiful journal that I have ever seen in my life. And we met up on Sunday and she handed it to me and she's like, hey, here you go. Like I, you know, I ordered an extra one on accident and you're the only person that I know that might want to leverage this. And I was like, wow, like this is beautiful. That journal could not have found me at a better time. I, again, I was feeling in a little bit of a funk. So on Tuesday, I sat down and I started journaling. I started writing out, what do I want to let go of? What am I trying to just no longer hold onto or carry? I wrote down, 
I give myself permission to clear out anything stagnant, any identities that limit me, that hold me back, any narratives that mislead me, misguide me away from being of service to spirit's wishes and to the new paradigm, to all of creation. I give myself permission to rest, to evolve, to make mistakes, to love. My intention for this month is to let go. I am worthy of my deepest desires. I am fit for service. I clear all that does not serve. I'm ready for joy. I choose play. I love what is and I trust deeply. I let go of my busy identity, the multitasker, the emotional eater, the selfish, rude ice queen, the volatile, crazy gym addict. So many more things that I wrote down, but hopefully this gives you a sense of sometimes the thoughts that can run through my head. And I wrote all of this down. And then as I was writing, I had this surge of energy. I pulled out my canvases and I pulled out my paints and I started writing all of these words, all of these things that I have identified with, that I have looped in on my brain. And I started writing them down and then I painted over them all these different colors all the words that I have been transmuting, alchemizing, shedding layers of myself, stories that I've told myself, I started finally shedding them. I have been unworking, deprogramming all of these words out of my conscious awareness, out of my being, but there was a part of me that still had them there. And I needed to clear them actively, just see pen to paper or to canvas rather, to actually let them go. And I wrote out all of these words. And then I took a big black paintbrush and swab of paint and painted all over the canvas, all over all these words. And then I wiped them off so you could still see kind of the faint outlines. And I wrote in white over it, thank you. I let go. I saged the entire thing <laughs> safely. It, the canvas does not burn for anyone that's kind of looking to do their own canvas ritual practices. And I have a ceremonial trash can in New York. I've thrown out a few things in that trash can. And at this point, I, I can't use another trash can <laughs> because I've thrown out a few things from throughout my time in the city that have been symbolic of I'm trying to clear this energy. You know, so I take my canvas and I'm walking over to my ceremonial trash can and I just dump it. And I'm like, I let that go. And I tell you, I have not felt a lightness like that in a while. And I know it sounds so silly to walk around with a canvas of a bunch of words that you replay in your head and to just throw it away. It's as simple as that. But the lightness, the energetic, just freedom that I felt after that was like no other because it had meaning to me. It's all about the meaning that you create. The next day was an event called Daybreaker, which if you've never heard of Daybreaker or been to Daybreaker, it is a community which they travel all around the United States and all around the world. And they have sober dance parties in the morning and yoga. We did yoga from 6 to 7 a.m. and then we danced from 7 to 9 a.m. Just had a DJ in Central Park and we're just dancing, ringing in the morning. And what was so special about that was that it was a new moon and solar eclipse. And so I had journaled about all of these things, letting go of all of this stuff that I'm carrying the night before. And then in the morning, rang in a new moon, a solar eclipse, a new beginning with dancing, with releasing, somatically just shaking that 
off of my body. And I think that was so incredibly important and impactful for me to truly just let go. We often journal, we meditate, we find stillness. Even practicing yoga or the gym gets you into a routine, gets you into a certain rigidity, especially if you're practicing around other people. There's always a part of you that's wondering, what do people think? Is my practice good today? Looking in the mirror? This was just purely dancing, shaking, uninhibited movement. And I think that that was profound for me in that moment. So impactful, just somatically releasing any stagnant, shaky stuff that's caught up and letting it go without caring what other people say or think about my dancing. I put pink hair in. I put some glitter on. I wore bright neon orange boots. It was like baby's first rave out here. And I just truly embodied and enjoyed myself in that moment. And I felt such a lightness, a freeness. Now, mind you, I was quite tired for the rest of the day because getting up at 4 a.m. is a very different story than a 5.30. But nonetheless, it was incredibly clearing. And so I went in the next couple of days with such a lighter energy, feeling a lot better, feeling like I had finally reached this place where I was on the up. I was clearing my stuff. I had come through out of being sick earlier this month having taken a two-week break from the gym, realizing that I didn't need to go to the gym to feel good enough, and then being confident enough in my own ability to really manage and be honest with myself about how I was using the gym, coming back to it on Thursday, the day after Daybreaker. So I cut every single one of my workouts in half, every single one. I'm like, I'm not going here because I'm running away from emotions. I'm going here to take care of my body. I wrote down, I do not go to the gym to change my body. I go to the gym to take care of my body. I do not go to the gym because I hate my body. I go to the gym because I love my body. I want to move my body. I acted on that intention. I placed that mindset shift in place. I changed the way that I look at what I do at the gym, the way I spend my time at the gym. And I cut all my workouts in half and I went back on Thursday and I felt so good. Thursday and Friday were some of the best workouts and they were shorter, but it just felt so good to be there for a reasonable amount of time, A, and B, for the sake of the health of my body and not to expect a certain output or certain performance level or a certain new personal record. I was just there to move. I was way more focused and I wasn't forcing myself to do 15 exercises. I did seven which is enough. <laughs> so I had gone to the gym. I finally was on the up and up. I had an amazing Friday night in taking care of myself, editing another podcast episode. And Saturday morning, I went to such a beautiful yoga class. A friend, Haley, sent me this beautiful song, this version of me by Odessa. And that song activates within me just a deep beauty and appreciation for the world when I'm in nature. I was walking to class and playing that song and looking at the trees and I knew that this version of me was real. The version of me that saw the beauty and realized the beauty in the world around me. And I came to class, did my practice, and in that moment I, I felt a forgiveness. In that moment, my practice 
without intending it to be, that practice became a dedication to my past self, to the self that turned to, to drugs, to partying, to external validation through dating, through friendships, the desperate side of myself that was just looking for love in the ways that she knew how. That practice became a forgiveness for her, for all the things that she did, because all she wanted was love. That's what she was looking for. She didn't know another way. And so my practice was one dedicated to her, knowing that I would never leave her, that all the times that she felt left behind by other people, truly she was just leaving herself. And my practice became symbolic for knowing that this version of me will never leave her and I will never leave me. So one, it was symbolic for that. And two, it was an understanding. It was a deep knowing that that is no longer me. While she is a part of me and a part of my journey, this is a new version of me. That delineation, that distinction was so powerful to look at her, to forgive her to hold her, but to know that I am not her. And so I walked home Saturday from that practice feeling so, so grateful and so held by myself in my own container, my own journey. I had the pleasure of coaching on Saturday, being a coach at the yoga teacher training for Core Power in New York City. So we had a full two-day intensive weekend. And I was a coach, a facilitator for those two days alongside amazing fellow coaches and leaders. Saturday night, I had the pleasure of getting dinner and going to a comedy show with some friends of mine. And I came home and unfortunately was faced with a very real conversation with my partner. As it's very raw, I won't go into what we talked about. The culmination of it all is us trying to evaluate whether the container of a relationship is really what would serve us best right now. We have such deep love for each other, but we're trying to understand whether the relationship, the long-distance relationship, is serving both of our individual lives. Does the stress of the relationship outweigh the benefits or vice versa? In the way that it came out, it was a lot to hold for me in that moment. I was well-resourced, really grateful for the opportunity to hold. It wasn't necessarily something that I was prepared for. And so the next morning, I actively started to process. What did that look like for me? I did breath work, and then I did a Kali energy practice. I was lucky enough to listen to a podcast by Blue of Earth and Valana Marcus on sacred rage. And Valana offered her thoughts on balancing the spiritual side, the non-attachment side with being human in having to process your relationships and creating a place to process your rage. Not only can you cry, but you have to let out your anger. And what Valana offered was the invitation or the exploration to use her music, her new album, Goddess Rise, the song Into the Fire, to truly explore what rage and expression looks like to you. For her, that looks like moving in her body, sticking her tongue out, screaming, yelling, letting whatever rage moves through her move, not keeping it bottled in, but letting that go 
And so I took that invitation. I had listened to that podcast a day before. And it's funny how the messages that you need come to you when, when you need them. And so for me, as I was processing this conversation with my partner, this pending reality that our relationship might not exist in the container that it has been for the past year, I knew that I wanted to cry. I wanted to scream. I couldn't quite scream, scream because I live in a New York City apartment and the walls are thrown out here. But I had my rage practice nonetheless. I took the opportunity to listen to her music and create a container for myself to express in the way that I needed to. And I moved in a way that felt authentic to let go of the pain of that relationship conversation, to let go of the pain that I was carrying, of the attachment to the container of the relationship, knowing that that container does not have to exist for the love to be there. Knowing that my ego wants to say that I'm going to lack love if I lose this relationship, but knowing that love is within me and that the relationship, that container, the label does not equate to the love that I feel. I can feel love for him, even if the relationship does not exist. And so I played that song and I moved and I cried and I stuck my tongue out like, ha, ah, moving my face, just letting that go. Cried a little bit more. I journaled and then I finally was feeling cleared out enough. And now that doesn't mean that after doing all these things, I'm going to feel peaceful and at ease and like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. It's like the feeling that I got was I was raw. I knew I was taking care of myself. I knew I was letting myself feel and experience and clear and process and let go. But it's like an open wound, right? You clean it out, you disinfect it, but it's, gonna, it's still going to be tender for a little bit. And then you're going to start to heal and scab up and over time it'll be okay. But if you continue to either pick at the scabs, you don't ever clean it, it's going to get infected and it's going to create a lot bigger of pain than if you had cleaned it and dealt with the stinging right when it came up. Then I went to one of my favorite yoga classes with a guide and a teacher that I truly trust, Dustin Maxwell in Core Power Yoga's Williamsburg studio, for those of you that are in the area. I took his class and felt a deep sense of presence. And again, during that class, I gave myself permission to make noise, to make sound, to stick my tongue out, to do weird things, let myself express, move through any energy that I was carrying. And at the end, again, still a little raw, but knowing that I'm taking care of myself. I went to facilitate or support facilitation in the second day of the training. And then afterwards, I came out of it. I didn't have service for about six hours because that studio particularly that we were practicing at was in the basement. <laughs> so I did not have service for six hours. And I came out started receiving messages and I found out that my childhood home or my family's childhood home abroad had burned down. There was an electrical issue and the entire home burned down and luckily my grandma escaped. But the childhood home that I had spent every single summer in was now gone. Finding that out, I felt the deep presence of my soul in that space. I felt my grandmother's presence, my grandfather's presence. That was his home. His great-grandfather built it. That home carries so many memories. I had hoped to take my children there one day. That home had my grandfather's spirit, all his belongings, his possessions. He's passed, but that was his spirit, that home. 
lived and breathed my grandfather in my eyes and my grandmother. And I felt that, that pain. And so it's so incredible that we can go from the highest highs, the deepest clearings, shedding identities, shedding layers, then being brought to the rawness and the depth and the confrontation of our experience, whether it might be the loss of a relationship or the loss of a home. Again, the ego frames it as loss. When in reality, you can't lose anything. Yes, I've lost the physical essence of the home. But energetically, I have the memories. I have the importance, the significance, and the weight that that space carries. I live with it, and I keep it in my heart. I haven't been back there physically in two years, given political circumstances in the United States and my country where my family is from, which is Russia. I haven't been back in two years. But that place carries an energy and a home within me. And that relationship, the love, I carry it within me. And so to be in a place to feel so clear, so open, such a channel for guidance and clarity and community, and then to be faced with loss was such an interesting dichotomy to me, such an interesting opportunity to take everything I had been cultivating or working on within myself and applying it. Again, so many practices, so much meditation and journaling and breath work, none of which felt desperate. They felt timely. They felt purposeful. And all the messages I received were, come back to your heart. Keep opening your heart. Don't let this close you. Don't let this shut you down. Another layer that I unraveled was at work. I have a new manager starting. And I felt a little bit of a resistance to her. I felt a little bit of a closed heart. And I was so confused because, in essence, this is a new person, a human that is entering a company. She wants to make a good impression both on her new team. She's managing seven people that she's never met. She has to learn an incredibly complex business and start to learn the patterns and the behaviors and thought processes of our business partners. And I had to look within and find, why am I feeling so contracted towards this human? And I found that it wasn't a problem with the new manager not in any way, everything she was saying about team building and making us feel like we're a family going in together, like we have each other's backs, which our team most definitely needs. Those were all amazing things, but why within me was I facing resistance? And I realized that it was not a problem or resistance with the manager herself, but rather my fear of moving away from my hiring manager of three years. Because this new manager coming in I now directly report to her, and she reports to my hiring manager. My hiring manager supported me throughout my career. She created a container in which I could learn and be successful in my career. She taught me, and she empowered me. And I owe a great deal of my ability to be successful to her. I know that I was the one that took the tools and made it happen. But she taught me so much of what I know. I looked up to her. I learned from her. And I have become the specialist that I am in my field because of her. And so I realized that I had an attachment to her. You know, if there was a new person coming in, moving in between me and her, that meant that I was further away from my manager. And what this roots back to for me is my father. My father moving away when I was five because my parents had divorced. While I knew that his love for me 
had not changed. As a little child, what I saw was my father leaving. The little child in me was like, please stay. I'm good enough to stay for. And so I developed this pattern of becoming attached to people and worrying that if they left or if my relationship with them changed, that it meant that I wasn't good enough to stay for. And I've since come to realize that is one of the first things that I came to in my journey and one of the continuous patterns that inform a lot of my healing. But I realized that this attachment or this deep fear of not being good enough to stay for caused by my parents' divorce and my father's relocation back to Russia after it, I realized that this was being applied to my hiring manager, to another masculine empowered energy. Please, no, I'm good enough to stay for. Don't move me farther away from you. Keep me under your right hand side, your wing. Or no, don't reschedule our meetings. I'm important enough to talk to. But what I realized is that I've learned so much from her. I've been promoted continuously. I've continued to make an impact in my job. And when a meeting is rescheduled or when I get less time with her, it's not because I'm less valuable. It's because she knows that I can stand my ground and that I can handle my own. She knows that I'm okay. I don't need the support and the protection that I once did, the nurturing that I once did. She knows that should I need anything, I'll let her know. And she knows that I'm capable of standing my ground, being an empowered teammate that knows the ways around this business, having been here for three years, that knows all the ins and outs, the right people to go to. I make more decisions in partnership with her. And I still ask her questions and guidance and mentorship, but I make more decisions in partnership than I used to. I make more decisions in partnership with her than I ever have before. So what I reframe that as, I do not need to be close to this person to know that I am a valuable and contributing member of this team. And that enabled me to open my heart back up to my new manager. So it was amazing to me what was presented with this duality between all these reframes, all these shifts that I've made, all these groundbreaking realizations paired with the fire of my relationship and the nature of the container coming to a confrontational place, my childhood home being burned down, all of this. And I came to this point where I like, this is the beauty of humanity. You have both. And I'm clearly still raw. I'm clearly still processing. But I find so much beauty in it because... Yes, while I can sit here and explain the ego, explain how every single thing that is bringing on this experience of pain, this experience of humanness that I then transmute through practices such as Kali, fire, energy, like yoga, journaling, these experiences of pain, I can go in and explain them from an egoic lens of saying, you know, this is a feeling of lack that my ego is creating. This is a feeling of loss. This is a illusion that there's something external to myself that I am losing, that I then have to go out and get. My ego is creating these illusions, and I can sit here and I can explain that. Yet at the same time, my experience of the pain is real, and I'm not trying to spiritually bypass or diminish that experience. And so I allow myself to sit with it, to transmute it, to cry to acknowledge that I am raw. That is something that I have not done. People ask me, are you, how are you doing? This is the first time that I'm like, you know, I'm not okay. 
but I'm taking care of myself. I do not feel okay. But in placing that distance between a witness and observer that is observing these human emotions, I create the distance and yet I still honor my need to experience them. I still honor that my body will sit with this somatically if I do not transmute it. If I do not have an energy practice, if I do not do breath work, if I do not find a way to honor this experience, whether that is tears or sacred rage or a hug, I honor that I need to find ways to transmute and release the energy. And then my understanding of the situation, my awareness that it is egoic identification or attachment that is driving the suffering actually helps me then let it go instead of perpetuating this. So the pattern is identifying the sensation, right? Identifying what you're sitting with, finding ways that feels authentic to you to clear it, and then coming back to the understanding that this is your ego's need to identify and attach. And letting that understanding and that identification be what stops you from repeating the cycle, from continuing to go back to the anxiety or the pain or the fear that cyclically drives you to experience those things over and over again, your pain body. Once you bring awareness to it, you have this understanding that you've cleared it and that you need not return to these patterns of thought. Now, I know that that was a lot. And I think what I want to emphasize here is that there is a constant balance that we strike. We strike a balance between non-attachment to our identities, to our ego, to our pain, but then also letting ourselves feel and experience and be in this body and be on this earth. You are a human being. Things are going to come up. You could be on the highest highs, clearing things out, shaking your booty at 8 a.m. in Central Park, and then you could be sitting and creating a container for your rage and your pain to be transmuted a few days later. And that is okay. That is the beauty in life. That's the beauty of our consciousness. You are a soul that chose to have a human experience. I'm a firm believer that it's not about detaching your identity completely from your human body, but rather it's learning to coexist. It's learning for the soul, the consciousness within you to coexist in the human body that you are. Bringing awareness, awareness to the unconscious, to the behaviors, the thought patterns, the emotions that keep you stuck cycling through or the ones that you just need to feel, you need to just sit with them and feel them. But then understanding that you are not those things, de-identifying from them and realizing there's a part of you beneath it all. Unconsciousness creates your pain, your suffering, your attachments, your identities. Consciousness transmutes it. Everything is shown up by being exposed to the light. And whatever is exposed to the light itself becomes light. That balance is a continuous journey. That balance is yours to strike. And if you're on a spiritual path and you're working on de-identifying from your ego, from your thinker, from your doer, from your busy mind, know that it is a continuous process. Creating patience with yourself, finding ways to transmute and alchemize your energy, finding ways to honor your experience of it, to allow yourself to experience pain, to experience hurt, to experience anger in containers that allow you to express it. And then coming back to the understanding that you are not it. You are not your pain. You are not your anger. You are not your fear. You are not your worry. Understanding that you are love. You are something so much deeper 
than all of that. So allow your human experience in whatever way it wants to show up and then come back to your peace and your calm by reconnecting with what's even deeper, knowing that no identities or attachments can truly define the amazing consciousness that you are. Thank you so much for listening, for letting me share my journey this past week. And if you have any questions at all, please reach out to me. I am on Instagram at unfilteredsash. I hope you have a wonderful and beautiful week. I'll see you back here very soon.